Welcome to The Lead, a podcast about how to get ahead in the news industry from the people who did. I'm Jacqueline Ganon. On today's episode, I'm talking to Pallavi Gagoy. Pallavi has worked at Business Week, CNN, and the Associated Press, and was most recently NPR's chief business editor. This past summer, she was my boss. Today, Pallavi joins me in person in Athens to catch up a bit, talk about telling business journalism stories in ways that matter to people, and how to stay excited while working in the industry. We also discuss her recent promotion to Acting Managing Editor Daily Report at NPR. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is produced by the Cox Institute for Journalism Innovation, Management, and Leadership at the University of Georgia's Grady College. To learn more, go to grady.uga.edu slash coxinstitute. Now, here's the lead. Hi, Pallavi. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Jacqueline. Nice to be here. So first, can you talk about your path to NPR and what are the most important experiences that led you to become the chief business editor? It was a very long-winded path <laughs> to NPR. I started out um, when I was literally 21 years old uh, as a journalist at a small regional newspaper in India. I was born and raised in India. And I started out as a sub-editor where all I did was you know, edit other people's copy and that was just the beginning. Um, I have to say, even though it was other people's copy, I love words. And I started reporting after that and then moved on to reporting about politics and culture in India. I got transferred to England as a foreign correspondent and then from there to Washington. And when I was there, I wanted to try my hand at um, mainstream American journalism the only jobs that were open for me to apply with my experience were in financial journalism. So Dow Jones had some openings and I applied. And that's how I got my entry into business journalism. I started out covering currencies. You know, so I, I wrote about the Deutsche Mark, the French franc, the uh, Italian lira, all of these currencies that don't exist anymore. And then from there on, I started covering all kinds of you know, interesting and different markets to me because they were not interesting or different for, for for most people. As in, I covered the orange juice markets, cotton, copper, palladium, platinum. I have to say most of those jobs I got because nobody else wanted them. And I learned more than I could have ever bargained for. I have to say I kind of even enjoyed covering cotton and orange juice because I talked to farmers I talked to cotton farmers, cotton traders in Savannah, right here in Georgia, and I learned so much. And I got the kind of foundation in financial journalism that is, I still value today. You know, and I went on to report on other things. I wrote for the Wall Street Journal. I got a, my big break writing for Business Week magazine. I worked there for eight years, learned long-form journalism, and that's where I learned, you know, the sense of place. How do you find people to tell these stories? How do you analyze? How do you research? And um, yeah, and then I went on to work for USA Today, the AP. I worked as an editor at CNN and finally at NPR. I have to say that in all of them, in all of those jobs, I've never lost sight of the fact that storytelling was really important for me. Holding people accountable was all of the all of the reasons why I got into journalism, I've always kept those in mind, and which is why A, I've always been excited about what I'm doing, and B, like I was, I always looked at people 
my colleagues or even people in my team as people who I wanted to have long-term relationships with in life. When you do that, you always respect what they bring to the table and you want you want to you want to improve from them and you want them to improve. So it's kind of like a circle of life where you're you're helping each other succeed. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a good advice for not getting burnt out, I think. I hear about that a lot in the journalism industry. Um, so that's really good advice to just kind of keeping things exciting and constant learning. So that was actually my next question. You kind of already answered, but can you talk about why you stuck with financial journalism and business journalism? Yeah, I mean, I think that no matter what you cover in journalism, right, you can cover politics, you can cover a wildfire, you can cover environmental journalism, you can do all of that. The fundamentals remain the same, which is news, information, data, and how that affects people, right? All of them, that's what it is about. And you're covering your slice of life. And ultimately, all of the stuff that you cover is actually, you're covering life. And I really believe that a person's personal economics, you know, your financial health is the underpinning of your life, how you live your life. It really determines everything. You don't realize it, but it determines where you were born, what house you live in, where you go to school, where you're educated in college, what jobs you can choose. It has a huge bearing on your entire life. And um, so when we cover economics and business, I feel that we are literally covering your life and my life. And, you know, that's basically what journalism is. I look at it as we are always, journalists have always been the first recorders of history. We write the first draft of history, whether you're a political journalist or a, like I said, you know, or a business journalist, when things happen, you go cover it. And the narrative changes over time in all, in all, in all of these fields. But, um, Writing the first draft is really exciting. That definitely makes sense. And I know financial business journalism is something that can be intimidating to people. Um, I know we have a class here about it that's kind of meant to make it less intimidating. Um, But can you talk about, at NPR specifically, trying to write these business stories for a broader audience instead of maybe just Wall Street execs? So at every moment in life, every few months, I try to think about what are the big economic and business stories that are affecting people, right? So currently, for instance, you've probably heard inflation is in the news. Prices for the things that we buy are rising currently at levels that we have not seen in 40 years, over 40 years. That's a big story. You've probably heard of the Federal Reserve. So right now, you know, the Fed is raising interest rates. So that is another big story. A third big story is the thing that you mentioned about burnout. How we work has gone through the kind of change that it's a tectonic shift in our lives. We have not seen anything like this before where nobody knows how we're going to come out of this, but people are evaluating their own relationship with work and life and how those two things intersect. People are evaluating whether they want to go into to the office to work, whether they want to work from home. Hey, you have the ability. The pandemic showed that. 
people are evaluating, uh, you know, are we uh, being paid enough to work whatever number of hours we work? So when I think about um, stories around these subjects, these are all very big economic subjects. So inflation, for instance, where is the data coming from? Every month, the government releases something called the CPI, the Consumer Price Index. At NPR, however, we rarely use the word CPI. We talk about prices. We talk about when you go to the grocery store, you are paying 30% more for eggs. The cost of buying a car, that has gone up exponentially during the pandemic, whether it's a used car or a new car. All of these things affect people's lives. Inflation also affects things differently depending on your station in life. In general, the economy is that way. It affects you depending on whether you're a man or a woman, high income, low income, black, Latino, white. It, all of those have a, a disproportionate impact on your life depending on how you're approaching it. And we try to bring those perspectives in our coverage. People who are going in to buy cereal or other sort of foods are shifting from brand names to the store brand. I mean, it's cheaper to, and we talk to real people who can, who actually tell us these things. Um, almost every few months, we, we run what we call a call out where we ask our listeners and readers to talk to us. Tell us, how is, how is the economy affecting you? How is the world of work affecting you? These are real people's stories. So we really try to hone in on storytelling that explains economic phenomenon as it is coursing through their lives. That's great. That sounds familiar. When you oversaw my project this summer about work from home, um, that was that's really good advice. <laughs> Um, so what are some of the stories that you have overseen at NPR that stand out to you as particularly impactful? We do so many stories that are impactful. So I will mention a couple. Um, so for instance, we have a reporter by the name of Chris Arnold. Chris Arnold covers personal finance, as in you know, how sort of different movements in the broader economy affect you and me. The decisions that uh, companies make that affect you and me, for instance, he recently did a series of stories on mobile home parks. So mobile home parks, you would think that, you know, who lives in them? Uh, not that many people. Actually, there's a lot of people who do. Um, during his reporting, he found that people who live in mobile homes there is a move towards larger companies buying these parks. And you can own your mobile home, but you do not own the land that is underneath your mobile home. And that land is starting to cost a lot more. So these larger companies will have come in and jacked up those prices. And that is really hurting uh, a lot of people who actually cannot afford the, the starter homes that are Right now, I mean, it's being people are being priced out no matter what. So even for people who are choosing to live in mobile homes, are ending up paying more because um, of that particular movement. And and I know that that is a story that he's going to continue sort of reporting on. And a lot of his stories in the past have had a lot of impact where they get the attention of you know members of Congress and investigations kick off and whatnot. 
Um, I will mention another series that we did a couple of years ago, actually right before you joined our team uh, as as an intern. It was a series of stories that David Falkenflake, our media reporter, did on Voice of America. So this was during um, the last six months or so of uh, the previous president, Donald Trump's presidency, where he installed a new head of the organization that oversees Voice of America. And um, during his term, he basically came and pretty much fired all the top executives and really tried to basically politicize the coverage that Voice of America brings. So a lot of people from around the world listen to that coverage and rely on it. They were really trying to politicize that coverage, and David kind of covered that entire... It was a relentless series of stories that he did covering that movement within in a six-month period, how much had changed in that organization. There were... Cases that were filed, David's story was cited in hearings. Um, a judge ruled against the new management, citing David's work. That was very high-impact work. I mean, you know, so, um, yeah, we've done a lot of work that has led to that kind of high impact and change. Yeah, that's awesome. I remember hearing uh, Chris's stories on mobile home parks, and I had actually done a piece on something really similar for our student newspaper here a couple years ago. So that was really interesting to kind of listen to that on a national scale. Um, so you mentioned this a little bit before, but you grew up in a town in Northeast India. So mm -hmm. how has that international perspective kind of impacted your reporting and your journalism? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a very, very small town. Um, uh, it, it's basically up in the mountains in Northeast India. It's called Shillong full of beautiful pine trees like here. You know, it was a, a place where I, it was almost like, you know, being in a slice of heaven, paradise really, actually. And um, when I was little, I spent a lot of time in the libraries. I was, I wasn't a nerd, but I was kind of a nerd. Like I <laughs> would read a lot. Like I would read all these magazines that I don't think my family ever could afford buying, like Time Magazine and all that it was my window into the world. And I didn't know it then, but I think that was my first time experiencing journalism, like these amazing stories that people would do from around the world. And Time Magazine was really at that time, at, you know, the pinnacle of journalism. They had correspondents all over the world. But as I have sort of moved around in my own career, you know, I've worked in three different continents, I think the more I've realized people are the same everywhere. Um, very similar things. Human beings are the same. Same things affect everyone, culturally, emotionally, monetarily. At the end of the day, I think um, the more we're different, the more we're similar. And um, that is what sort of has grounded me as a journalist, you know. I mean, you have to bring the perspectives and local color, but the big things are kind of the same. What you said about words, I relate to. I think I still remember some pieces, not maybe not even journalism, but just like stories that have stuck with me as well. And then that the you know commonality between people, I think that's great. So you've recently had some exciting career news. Um, congratulations! Uh, Thank you're you. now an acting managing editor, Daily Report. Um, so can you talk about what that actually means? What you'll be doing day to day, and what excites you about that that new position? So. 
most of my career, almost all of my career, I should say, it has been in business and financial journalism. And, and like I mentioned, you know, I really do believe that the founding principles of journalism are the same no matter what, you're, what, you, what we cover. Uh, and I really am ready to, you know, sort of have a little bit of a wider berth, you know, use some of those principles in other kinds of coverage. What the job will entail is basically overseeing the daily coverage of news at NPR. Um, I'm very excited and, of course, very nervous about it because who wouldn't be? <laughs> it's a new area for me. Uh, I'm really looking forward to learning a lot. Um, you know, you can talk about business and economics, and I can just rattle off that data. You know, I just know that stuff in and out. However, uh, there are a lot of national issues. There's election stuff. that I don't. I don't, and I, and I feel like it's an opportunity for me to grow and learn and at the same time um, bring my own skills, my own skills of like I always frame things in the biggest possible way. I always try to bring humanity to our coverage. Um, I love to um, celebrate people's work. I will bring all of that to this job. So uh, I will be bringing those skills, and at the same time, I will be learning a lot. And hopefully, it'll be a wonderful symbiotic relationship. <laughs> yeah, I can say from my short time at NPR, I know the business desk will miss you, but I'm excited to hear you have you bring those skills to the wider newsroom. I'm sure everyone will benefit from it. Thank you. Um, um, so you've taught journalism at Columbia University, and this coming spring, you plan to teach at Princeton University. What has drawn you to teaching, and what have been some of the things that you've taken from teaching others? So I will say that from the beginning of my career, I have been extremely, extremely lucky in terms of the kinds of mentors that I've had. You know, I feel that when someone is starting out in life, and you're especially covering things that you don't really know much of, that mentorship has played a very big role in my own formation as a journalist. And passing it forward, is I'm a huge believer in that, and this is my way of doing it. I serve on the board of uh, Cebu, uh, which is a business and um, economics and business journalism organization. It's the Society for Advancing Business Editing and Writing, so that's one way I, I, I give back. And then, and then teaching is, I think, another way of giving back. I taught last year at Columbia, and it was one of the most fulfilling times you know, of my career. It was just one day a week, a three-hour seminar. And we talked about the foundation of journalism. What is news? What is writing? What is a nut graph? What is reporting? How do you find people to talk to you? Who are experts? Who are sources? All of these things are things that we do every single day as journalists. And to talk about it, A, reminds me of, you know, of, hey, like, who am I as a journalist? But um, creating the next level of journalists, nothing more exciting than that, because I have had such an amazing career. And I love every single moment of my time as a journalist, because I think that it is such a gift uh, it is such a privilege to be a journalist, to be able to talk to real people and expert. You have so much access and people are willing to share their stories. Um, you know, I, it is a tough career, especially in the beginning, because you get paid so little. But 
it is one of the most rewarding things. I mean, to me, it has been such a rewarding thing to be a journalist. And I hope to pass it on to more people. That brings me hope to hear that as someone <laughs> who is starting out. Um, but I, I have already kind of been amazed at how willing people are to, to talk to you and just um, share their stories. I think that's great. And mentorship is also something that I've experienced that's really helped me. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to share some advice right now. Um, <laughs> what are some pieces of advice that you have for aspiring journalists? You know, never stop dreaming. I think that the idea of um, a lot of people, a lot of us, me especially, I was attracted to journalism for all its ideals, right? I mean, you want to, storytelling is so amazing. Who doesn't like stories? You know, you're doing it because you want to defend democracy. Of course you want to do that. You want to hold power accountable. Um, that's one of the principles of journalism. You want, you know, you want to tell the world about this thing that you know as a journalist. All of that is so amazing. I mean, it is, the more that, you know, that young journalists remember that role uh, that they play to serve the public, you will realize how important that role is and uh, it will keep you grounded. So I think, I mean, that is to me the most important thing. It's like, it is really a privilege to be a journalist, but to remember that it is a privilege and enjoy it. Enjoy like every single moment. It is, you get to be creative. You get to, you get, you get to be a scientist and also, a, you know, you get to be a scientist and an artist at the same time because you're using data to inform your journalism and you get to write something beautiful. Thank you, Pallavi, for your time. I found that personally very inspiring. Um, but thank you so much for sitting down with me in person and for chatting. Thank you, Jacqueline. And it's been so wonderful to get to know you the last few months. And I only hope, you know, wonderful things for you in the future. Thank you again to Pallavi for joining me on this episode and for catching up. I'm your host, Jacqueline Ganun. Our executive producer is Charlotte Norsworthy, and this show is supported by the Cox Institute. To keep up with the lead and hear more from media leaders, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Twitter. We're at The Lead Podcast. See you next time.